Why don't you say we get together and have a week of nothing but talking about the South? That sounds like a good deal to you. It sounds like a great deal to me. I'm John Rawl, and here on the Y'all Show, we will break down what's going on across the Southeast, and you're, join, you're welcome to join in on the fun. Our number to do that is 803-816-1170. That is a text line available to you. Whether you're listening to us right now on one of our really awesome radio affiliates or you're listening to us on one of the many podcast choices that we have here at the Y'all Show, we're on the iHeart app, the TuneIn Radio app, Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, and we're just growing and growing with all of our various ways to catch up with the show about the Southeast. Hope y'all had a great, great weekend, a weekend that was the first full weekend in the month of October. Maybe you got a lot of chores done. Maybe, like some people, you went out and saw family members, friends, maybe did a little traveling. Well, we're just glad that you are taking time after this very eventful weekend to start your week on the right foot here on Talk With an Accent on all things Southern. Here's a preview of what's on today's, y'all. So we've got headlines coming in from across the Southeast, and we'll share with you all of what's going on. It's been a tragic weekend. We've had a law enforcement official from the city of Memphis get killed in the line of duty. We'll tell you about that. We'll tell you about how in Polk County, Florida, a co-worker went on a rampage with a baseball bat and has killed at least three co-workers. We'll fill you in on that just gruesome story out of Florida. Also, a killing in Athens, Georgia, in the lovely portion of Athens, the Five Points District. A former NASCAR driver was killed over the weekend. I'll let you know who and how on that story. Also, a couple in North Carolina found shot to death in the office of a newspaper building, and we'll fill you in on that tragedy coming out of North Carolina from the weekend. And more tragedy. Did you hear about the three valley workers that were killed while a guy was, or gal, I'm not sure the sex, a person was evading police, and during a police chase, a car struck three valet workers after this car hit them at a very high speed on Friday evening. I'll let you know what's going on in Houston on that one. Also out of Houston, Texas, a school principal shot by a former ex-student on campus, and this was an ex-student that was around 25, 26 years old that came back to campus and shot the principal. We'll let you know about that story in our headlines from across the southeast. Joe Manchin, the senator from the Mountain State, he was out kayaking, or he was out, I'm sorry, on his houseboat over the weekend, and kayakers confronted him about what's going on with him on the U.S. Senate floor and how he's insisting that this current bill is too much, this bill to raise the debt, the budget, whatever all's going on as they are famous for doing in Washington, D.C., Joe Manchin. He can't even enjoy some time on his boat without having people confront him there in the Virginia, West Virginia, D.C. area. We'll let you know more about this story. Also, the NRA got together and voted over the weekend. And can you believe Wayne LaPierre has retained his leadership in the embattled National Rifle Association? There's been some real shenanigans going on in that group and he got reelected, and his position strengthened after the latest goings-on at the NRA. Also, Dr. Anthony Fauci, remember him? Yes, he's now telling people that it might be a little too soon to tell if people can gather for Christmas this year. 
Fauci trying to shut down another Christmas. We'll let you know about that one. Also, did you hear about Pat Robertson of the 700 Club stepping down as the host of that after, (laughs) I can't even tell you how many episodes, but decades upon decades, the Virginia-based Pat Robertson leaving his hosting gig at the 700 Club. A wildlife story to tell you, a sad story from the Sunshine State. We'll tell you about this as we go through our headlines today. Florida Panthers, three of them from the weekend, struck and killed in the Sunshine State. The wonderful creatures that are the native Florida Panthers killed in the Sunshine State over the weekend. Also, as we wrap up our headlines today, we're going to tell you about an effort that's being waged in southwest Florida. I don't think there's too many people in on this. I'd like to be the counter to this organization. I'll go ahead and raise my hand because, first of all, it's not a bad place to live. (laughs) Lee County, Florida. And we are going to go to that county and tell you about a new petition that's going to try to rename Fort Myers' county, the name of which Fort Myers, Florida, is located in. They're trying to rebrand it, and you won't believe who they're looking to remove it from Robert E. Lee and put it in place, Robert E. Lee, someone else with the last name Lee. Uh, You'll just have to stick around. That's part of our headlines coming up on today's Y'all Show. We got lots of sports to get to. It was a busy Sunday in the NFL. It was a history-making day in Foxborough. We've got a look at the NFL scores from this week four of the NFL. Week four continues with Monday Night Football. You got the Raiders and the Chargers from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And we'll break down some of that as we talk about not only the NFL in the next segment, we got to talk about Major League Baseball. What a wild day it was Sunday, and congratulations to the Yankees and the Red Sox. These two arch rivals who hate each other ended up in an absolute tie on the wild card, and both advanced to the wild card. Only one will emerge victorious, and we'll break down the scene. We'll let you know about the National League. Cardinals looking good going into their wild card date. And they're going to be taking on the L.A. Dodgers. Dodgers, right on the last day of the season, missed out on an opportunity to clinch the NL West. So it's Dodgers-Cardinals in one wild card here this week and Red Sox-Yankees in the other and your other teams who are awaiting in the wings. They're over there in the dugout. I should have used that metaphor. We'll break all that down in the next segment as we walk through some of the professional sports goings on from the weekend. Also, later this hour, we've got to talk about college football. What a crazy, upset-minded weekend it was on the gridiron of NCAA football. LSU goes down. That was a big upset, in my opinion. How about the Stanford Cardinal? I watched the closing minutes of that one, and I watched it into overtime. I don't normally tune in to watch Pac-12, but it was a great, great win by Stanford over number three, Oregon. Oregon goes down. Who else went down over the weekend? There were a lot of teams. We'll just have to walk you through. We'll have to give you what came out as far as the this week's brand-new AP poll. We'll tell you the surprises. Who's not in there? There's one team who's been a mainstay in the rankings for seven years, and they ain't in there as of today. So we'll walk you all through that as part of our college football fun. And later this hour, before we say goodbye to Hour 1 and bring on Hour 2, we're going to wrap things up this hour with our Southern History Spotlight. 
And we're going to talk about a bunch of Tennesseans in today's Southern History Spotlight because we're going to bring in a few names you might not be all that familiar with who have important roles in our part of the world. One is a former First Lady, Eliza McCardle Johnson. She was the First Lady of Andrew Johnson. Of course, Andrew Johnson took over the presidency after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in 1865. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the First Lady from 1865 to 1869, how she and her husband both withstood the impeachment effort, the nation's first impeachment effort. And so we'll fill you in on this East Tennessean, a lady born in 1810, lived all the way to 1876, died in Greenville, Tennessee, and it's the former First Lady of the United States, Eliza Johnson. More on her, another Tennessean that we'll be discussing here on today's Y'all Show, is Alvin York. Alvin York, this week, back in 1918, that's when he did his amazing, amazing accomplishment. October 8th, 1918, that's when his unbelievable deal there in France during World War I resulted. His actions gave him a Medal of Honor. And I'm going to walk through exactly what Alvin C. York did 100 and, what was that, 103 years ago this week, October 8th of 1918, during the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, this Tennessee native earned the Medal of Honor and arguably one of the most heroic things ever done in combat for this United States, this Fentress County, Tennessee native who lived until 1964. And a legend, of course, the movie Sergeant York was a big, big Gary Cooper film. We'll let you know about the real Alvin York and his accomplishment from this week in 1918. Also, it was this week in 1973, 74, somewhere around there. Uh, I'll get the the year right in a second. But regardless, it was this week in the 1970s that a guy named Frank Robinson, who had been a very good baseball player, ascended to become the first black manager in Major League Baseball. It was 1975 that he was hired to be the Indians manager, becoming the first black manager of baseball. And Frank Robinson, who was born in Beaumont, Texas, and grew up in Oakland, California, we honor his legacy and his accomplishment this week as baseball winding down its season. We'll remember his incredible hiring by the Indians, who I guess now officially as of today are no longer the Indians. I think they are officially as of their end of the 2021 season, now the Guardians. Ain't that a shame? Also this week, Spiro Agnew. You might remember him. He was the 39th Vice President of the United States serving under Richard Nixon. This week in 1973, Agnew resigned the Vice Presidency, becoming only the second Vice President to resign the position as John C. Calhoun resigned back in 1832, a South Carolinian. But Maryland native, the former governor of Maryland, Spiro Agnew, resigning this week in 1973. I'll fill you in on what exactly led him to leave office back in 73. What was that? 48 years ago today, the vice president left office. And guess what? Less than a year ago, his boss, or less than a year from his time leaving, his old boss, Richard Nixon, would resign becoming the first and only president of the United States to step away from the Oval Office. 
All that coming up here as we wrap up this first hour and our great coverage of Southern history. Let's get into the fun of all the headlines of today. And unfortunately, it's not too much fun if we start looking at what's been going on across the Southeast from the last few days. Starting off in Memphis, Tennessee, sadly, a hero in blue killed while investigating a crash. A Memphis police officer, Daryl Adams, was hit and killed by a tractor trailer on Saturday. The 34-year-old law enforcement was investigating a two-car crash on Interstate 40, and the driver of the 18-wheeler was detained, but no charges filed. The Tennessee Highway Patrol investigating. But unfortunately, a officer who had worked for the Memphis Police Department since April of 2016, struck by a tractor-trailer while investigating a crash. This just reminds all of us how dangerous law enforcement can be, even when they're out there doing their normal work, even when law enforcement is conducting a heroic effort of being out by a highway, assisting a car crash, they can lose their life. And it's another reminder how as we as motorists, if you own a driver's license, if you're out speeding around in a car, a motorcycle, a bicycle, a 18-wheeler in this case, you can kill people even though you're behind the wheel and you may walk away just fine but you ultimately are responsible for your own actions. Unfortunately, Memphis mourns police officer Daryl Adams this week, the 34-year-old killed in the line of duty. A sad story out of Polk County, Florida. Authorities there investigating after a third victim from an unbelievable work-related spree, violent spree, has succumbed to his wounds this third person dying on Sunday after a violent attack happened where an angry electrician that came into a house wielding a knife and a baseball bat killed three of his co-workers and injured several others. This was a home in Florida, Davenport, Florida, not all that far from Tampa, where they were sharing a house. I think they were all I actually watched Grady Judd, the Polk County Sheriff's press conference. They were all working as contractors for public's grocery stores. And I don't know what they were doing, maybe at a big giant plant there or something, but this man who was the, not gunman, he used a baseball bat and a knife to go in and kill his co-workers. This man was from, rather not from Florida, he was from Pennsylvania. The company, J&B Electric, was also out of Pennsylvania. And it looks like they had some temporary workers living and working in Florida, and they did not get along. Something happened, and this man, who I think had lost his job Friday, comes into this home and takes a baseball bat and kills three people. A fourth victim suffered critical injuries also at this thing, and another man, his wife, and their seven-year-old daughter escaped unharmed. What a horrible... As Grady Judge, Sheriff of Polk County, Florida, said, it's just an absolutely gruesome scene. Now, if you're, you're hearing me talk about Grady Judd. I just talked about Grady Judd about two or three weeks ago. It was Polk County, Florida, you might remember, where a man on a early Sunday morning breaks into a house and kills at least three people, and he tries to kill a eight- or nine-year-old girl 
and shoots her about seven times, and she survived. And that guy, a former Marine, a war veteran, said he did it because God told him to go back to this house. He didn't even know the people. He did not even know the people and just randomly shows up and murders all those people. That was the same county, Polk County, Florida. Our hearts are for the people of that county and for the victims' families in this case, of which they all work together for this electrical company working in Florida and the man that ended up killing them, Sean Runyon, now in custody. In fact, I was, again, listening to the press conference from the weekend, and Sheriff Judd said that Runyon, after he beat these people to death, somehow ended up in Winter Haven, Florida, a long way away from where he was. He he ends up showing up at somebody's house in his blood-stained clothing and said that he had been raped and took his clothes off, and these people said, you need to go to the hospital. And this guy goes to the hospital, and he gets arrested at the hospital. The, the killer is who I'm talking about. Unbelievable, awesome, gruesome, awful, gruesome story out of Florida this weekend. Sadly, more violence. It was a horrible first weekend in October across the Southland. Former NASCAR driver John West Townley has been killed in Athens, Georgia, killed Saturday in a shooting that also wounded a woman. The 31-year-old died in the Five Points neighborhood. That's a very, very nice neighborhood right beside the Georgia Bulldogs, the University of Georgia campus. They had a big football game there this weekend, and Townley was there in Athens, Georgia, and he and this 30-year-old woman were both shot, and the former NASCAR driver died of his wounds. Police have spoken to the shooter who knew the victims. No charge has been filed, and the investigation is continuing. That, according to athens Clark County, Georgia, Police Lieutenant Sean Barnett. But again, this driver killed in what looks like a situation where they knew the shooter. And this guy once drove a car owned by his father, who was co-founder of Zaxby's. So the co-founder of Zaxby's son, a NASCAR driver, has been killed in Athens, Georgia, in the Five Points area. Mm. I don't remember seeing a Zaxby's when I was in that area. What they did have there was a Athens-based uh, Barbaritos chain, which is mostly in Georgia. They have crossed over into other states in years past, but that's right there in the heart of Five Points. I used to work, I used to have a, a business set up in Five Points, so I'm quite familiar with that little section of the classic city, but a, a real tragedy there from this weekend. More tragedy. I, I'm sorry to be telling you all this stuff here to start your week out, but in North Carolina, a couple found dead inside a local newspaper office, and this happened in Newton, and that's south of Raleigh. A 58-year-old man, Larry Brigham, and 55-year-old Cindy Hull found inside the Observer News Enterprise on North College Avenue in Newton, North Carolina. The chief of Newton, North Carolina, Vital Sipe, said, This is a tragic situation, and our prayers are with the Hull and Brigham families. We also want the public to know that this appears to be an isolated incident, and there are no remaining threats to the community. Much more on this developing story. But these two, and I don't know if there was a connection with the newspaper, or they just got put inside this 
local newspaper office their bodies, but they were found dead inside this Newton, North Carolina newspaper over the last few days. Tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Okay, I'm going to just get through the tragic stuff, and then we'll move on to more happy stuff on this Monday, y'all. Show in Texas over the weekend, three valet workers in Houston were killed after a suspect involved in a police pursuit struck them at a very high speed. This happened on Friday night around 1030 in the Houston area. The driver drove eastbound and with an officer in pursuit accelerated at a high speed and ended up before crashing in a ditch struck these three valets in the Houston area. Terrible story there. I don't have names not been released at this time, but that's a tragedy for sure. Three people working and killed. All right, one other crazy, horrible story from the weekend, then we'll take a break and come back with some sports talk. A former student of a Houston public charter school went back on campus Friday and shot and wounded the campus principal before surrendering to police. The 25-year-old man shot through a locked glass door at the YES Prep Southwest Secondary No students hurt. Police initially identified the wounded as a school employee, but a statement later identified him as the principal, Eric Espinosa. And again, this was a former student coming back to the campus shooting this school principal. Police did not release the name of the shooter, but said they were able to quickly identify him because he was a former student. That's good news. And it looks like the principal's going to be okay from what I'm gathering out of Houston, Texas. But, uh, man, 25, I mean, this guy was the student a long time ago, most likely, and comes on campus and creates this kind of violence. Violent, violent weekend. Was there a full moon out there? I did see a really cool moon the previous weekend. Maybe y'all saw that. It was, the I think it was last Saturday night, the last Saturday of September. Man, that moon was gigantic. At least one. I thought it was right there in front of me at times when I saw it on that uh, lovely, lovely sunset setting there and the moon uh, coming up there across the southeast and across the country. All right, we'll take a break here on y'all. We will come right back here, and we've got some southern sports talk to get to. We'll tell you about Major League Baseball's postseason. We'll tell you about how Sunday in the NFL went. Ooh, what a big day for Tom Brady. Oh, But what about the rest of the scores of the league? We'll have all that when the Y'all Show continues. Have you tried learning a new language, but it never seems to stick? That's because there's more to language than learning vocab words. Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language, anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. And Babbel is built around real life. Everything from the interactive lessons and live online classes to the podcasts and games will teach you things you'll actually use. So you're ready for real life conversations with Babbel. Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, more ways to explore, more ways to learn. Start learning today at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. 
Got a Southern sports update for you here on the Y'all Show. Major League Baseball's final regular season day was Sunday, and there were some nails chewed off and a lot of fun as the final day brought back some real memories of the old days when there were real chases for the pennant. And what a final day it was, as we didn't know until the very last second what would happen. And what happened? What it was? was the American League East had three teams punch their postseason tickets. The Tampa Bay Rays with their 100-win season, first time that franchise has reached the 100 mark. They won the AL East. But on Sunday, both the Red Sox and Yankees finished the regular season with the exact same record, 92-70. and And those two teams clinch a wild-card berth from the American League. That means a team that just barely missed out, the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they were about a game out of it. Also, the Seattle Mariners were about a game or two out of a chance to go to the postseason, at least for a wild card berth. So the American League's teams heading off to the postseason. The Tampa Bay Rays finished the best team in the league. They await the wild card winner. It's the Red Sox and Yankees getting together for the wild card game of the American League on Tuesday. The Chicago White Sox will begin a series with the Astros later in the week. National League, it did come down to the final day, but not necessarily to determine the wild card, but who won the NL West. And in the end, by one single game, the San Francisco Giants, they outdid the Los Angeles Dodgers. 107 wins the total for the year for the Giants, 106 for the Dodgers. Giants, you win the West. Dodgers, you get to go to an American, uh, rather National League wild card game where you play the St. Louis Cardinals. And if you lose that game, despite the fact that you won 106 games in the regular season, you could lose that one wild card game this week and your season would be over with. Your other winners and the National League, those who get To play on in October, Braves won the NL East. They're the only team from that division in the postseason. Brewers won the NL Central, and they won it over the Cardinals. Cardinals are that wild card team that will face the L.A. Dodgers, runner-ups, and the NL West. And, again, the division series starts later in the week, and that is a best-of-five. Your wild card game set for Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, American League Wednesday National League. Let's tell you about what happened Sunday in the NFL. It was a historic day in Foxborough. It was a historic night for Tom Brady in Foxborough. Tom Brady returns to his old stomping grounds, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback early in the game becomes the NFL's leading passer with a big, big pass there to nearly get a touchdown. They ended up getting, I think, a touchdown the next play. But what Tom Brady went up there to do from Tampa was not to get in the history books and beat out Drew Brees, who had held that record. He was there to win, and guess what? The Buccaneers won Sunday evening, 19-17. to Although Tom Brady got, got outdone by the rookie, 
Mac Jones of the Patriots passed for 275 yards, and he outdid Tom, at least in the statistics. But Tom and his Buccaneers got a very big win on the road, 1917 over the Patriots. Other games from Sunday, the Falcons went down to the Washington football team 34-30. Bills absolutely destroyed the Texans 40 to nothing. It was the Bears and Justin Fields getting the victory over the Lions 24-14. Dallas and Dak Prescott with a big third quarter. Prescott throws for four TD passes. Boys 36, Panthers 28. Colts got their first win of the year, winning at Miami 27-17. The Cleveland Browns won at Minnesota 14-7. New York football giants got a victory in overtime 27-21 over the Saints. That was their first of the year. The Titans, a surprising loss for them. They lost in overtime to the Jets 27-24. New York and Zach Wilson pick up their first win of the season. Kansas City Chiefs went on to the friendly confines of the city of brotherly love. Eagles fall to the Chiefs there in Philly, 42-30. The Arizona Cardinals won at L.A., 37-20 over the Rams. Seahawks got a victory on the road at San Francisco, 28-21. Ravens, 23-7 over the Broncos. Bridgewater with a concussion in that game. Aaron Rodgers and his Green Bay Packers won over the Steelers, 27-17. Your Monday night game, it includes the fun from SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California is where you'll find the L.A. Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. 815 Eastern, 715 Central is your kickstart for this one. And that's a look at your professional sports of the weekend here on Talk with a Southern Accent. We'll take a break. When we come back, there was plenty of good sports from a college perspective played over the weekend. And when we come right back from this break, we'll fill you in on the AP Poll which covers the movers and shakers. And there was a whole lot of shaking going on. Some teams losing it. Weren't exactly planning on being in the L column when Saturday rolled around. We'll have all that coming up next when the Y'all Show continues. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. You beat the Florida Gators at your home field for the first time since the Reagan administration. You moved to 5-0 in football play for 2021. And you debuted at number 16 
in this week's AP Poll. How about you, big blue Kentucky Wildcats? Yes, go big blue. We're the Y'all Show, talking a little college sports and a little college fun here as we continue on with this first hour. And what a weekend it was. What a weekend full of upsets. My goodness, I don't remember any other weekend in recent memory where we had so many teams crashing and burning. Teams that were highly ranked from Oregon going down in flames. How about Notre Dame? I had almost forgotten about them. There were so many that went. They got absolutely embarrassed at their home field there in South Bend, Indiana by Cincinnati, a team they'd only played one other time, and that was in the year 1900. And the Irish, man, I hope they miss out on all the fun this year. They deserve it after that. They moved down to 14. Let me take a look and relay all the AP goings-on for the brand-new poll for college football. Alabama looked mighty good in their win at home against Mississippi. They remain number one. Georgia looked mighty, mighty good in their victory against Arkansas over the weekend. The Dogs remain number two. Iowa moves up. They're number three. Penn State remains at number four. Iowa and Penn State play this weekend in Iowa City. Woo, go Big Ten. Cincinnati, they move up two spots to number five. They're knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Ooh, look out for the AAC. Oklahoma stays put at number six this week. Ohio State did move up a couple of spots. They're number seven in the latest poll. Oregon fell at Stanford. The Ducks now eight. Michigan's looking impressive. They're 5-0. and oh. They got a big road test this weekend at Nebraska, but they did win at their biggest challenge yet, in my opinion, as they went and won at Wisconsin this past weekend. And Harbaugh's team now 5-0, and ranked number 9. BYU's looking mighty good. The Cougars are ranked number 10. Michigan State's looking good. They're ranked 11. And they moved up six spots this past weekend. Oklahoma State got a big victory over Baylor. And the Pokes now find themselves moving up seven spots in the poll. And OSU ranked number 12. Arkansas, it's a tough Tough ass to go into the hedges and come out of there victorious. Arkansas goes down to Georgia. They drop down to 13 in the latest poll. Notre Dame also drops five spots. Notre Dame ranked 14th. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, the shots move up to number 15 after they absolutely just blew away Terry Bowden's Louisiana Monroe Warhawks this past weekend in Conway. You also have in the top top 20 that Kentucky Wildcat team, make his, they make their debut at 16. Lane Kiffin's team drops down to 17. How about the Auburn Tigers going into Death Valley for the first time since 1999? They win in Baton Rouge. And what a job Brian Harson's club's doing. They're ranked number 18th in the latest AP poll. Auburn is 4-1. and one. What a job Wake Forest is doing. As Dave Clawson's team, 5-0, and oh, they took care of business. It was a close game against Louisville, but they got the job done. Wake Forest moves up to number 19 in the latest AP Top 25 poll. Florida drops 10 spots if they lose to the Wildcats in Lexington. Florida ranked 20. Texas is back in the polls, ranked number 21. Arizona State's 22. NC State is staying put this week. The Wolfpack 23 after just getting past Louisiana Tech. SMU debuts. The Ponies ranked number 24. They're 5-0. and And the Aztecs of San Diego State round up the AP Top 25. One of the big stories in that Top 25 poll is who ain't in there. 
and that would be Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers. For the first time since 2014, Clemson is not ranked in this week's AP Top 25 poll. Mighty, mighty crazy to not see Clemson ranked. Also, some college football news coming from the Memphis Tigers. Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium is going to have a name change. I think it's been named the Liberty Bowl since it debuted back in the mid-1960s, and now the city of Memphis has agreed to a deal with Simmons Bank, a bank out of Arkansas, and now this is going to be known, this historic stadium, as Simmons Bank Memorial Stadium. As they are signing a title sponsorship deal with the city of Memphis, I wonder if the Memphis Tigers get a piece of the action. I doubt it. They shouldn't. (laughs) The Liberty Bowl, located in Midtown Memphis, named as a tribute to veterans of World War I and the Korean War and World War II, too. I should have thrown that in there also. And now Simmons Bank getting their name. They're they're actually already on the PGA Tour. They sponsor Zalatoris, the PGA golfer, a rookie that was a former Texas Longhorn. That's where I first started seeing their name kind of promoted in the sports world. And now in Memphis, Simmons Bank Memorial Stadium will be the new home of the Memphis Tigers and the new home of the Liberty Bowl football game. And it might just be home one day to some other NFL team that decides to camp out there for a year, like the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Oilers did in 1997. This is Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. We've got more to come here in this first hour of our Monday show. Stay tuned. We're going to switch over from the sports fields and tell you about the history fields of the South. As we have a few, speaking of Memphis, we'll take you to other sections of the volunteer state to tell you about some famous Tennesseans as they have a mark in history for this week. We'll let you know about that and much, much more as the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent continues. If you're worried about your borderline blood pressure, hear how others are taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. Garlic works safely and naturally to support my blood pressure. Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula has a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals, so you know it works. No garlic taste, no garlic breath. Take charge of your blood pressure with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. That's not the theme from Gone with the Wind. That's a, another movie out around the same time. Sergeant York, the movie. It was about Tennessee native Alvin York. And it was this week back in 1918 that Sergeant Alvin York did his amazing feat on the battlefield where he won the Medal of Honor. And I'm going to tell you exactly what he did in just a second. We're going to kind of go back even before 
World War I time here as we feature Southern history to close out our first hour. I'm going to tell you about another Tennessean. I'm John Rawl, and this is our History Spotlight of the Southeast. And this week marks the birthday of Eliza McCarl Johnson. Are you familiar with her? She was the wife of Andrew Johnson, 17th President of the United States. And Eliza Johnson was born this week, October 4th, 1810. She died in 1876. Born in Telford, Tennessee. If you don't know where that is, that's in Washington County in the eastern third of the volunteer state. She ended up dying again in 1876 in Greenville, pretty big-sized town in that portion of Tennessee, and she died at age 65. Her husband, Andrew Johnson, was the president following Lincoln's assassination, president from 1865 until 1869. Andrew Johnson, of course, was known for being the first president to be impeached, but he was not thrown out of office. Of course, he was acquitted, just like Bill Clinton was, just like Donald Trump twice was. And this First Lady of the United States, who had also been the First Lady of Tennessee, serving as First Lady of the Volunteer State from 1853 to 57, when Andrew was the governor of that state. And she ended up having a nice long life. Her husband, again, a unionist from a portion of Tennessee that was very pro-union during the Civil War, unlike most of Tennessee, which was very Confederate. And it was, again, Tennessee, an example of truly brother against brother. And Eliza McCardle Johnson, the wife of Andrew Johnson, born this week in 1810. We remember her. Now to Sergeant York. Alvin York was born in Fentress County, Tennessee. Paul Mall, Tennessee, is the name of the community of which you can go today and see the Sergeant York State Park And that's a little bit north of Cookville, Tennessee. Sergeant York, born in 1887. And if you have ever seen the movie with Gary Cooper, what an unbelievably patriotic movie. And a large part of the story about Sergeant York was the fact that this guy was a conscientious objector. That's what he claimed as he was a devoted member of the Church of Christ and Christian Union and drafted into World War I, goes on and serves over in Europe, and because of his good old Tennessee boy background, he knew how to shoot. And that's why on this date, this week rather, in 1918, Private First Class York was one of a group of 17 soldiers assigned to infiltrate German lines and silence a machine gun position. After the American patrol had captured a large group of enemy soldiers, German small arms fire killed six Americans and wounded three. Several of the Americans returned fire while others guarded the prisoners. York and the other Americans attacked the machine gun position, killing several German soldiers. The German officer responsible for the machine gun position had emptied his pistol while firing at York but failed to hit him. The officer then surrendered to York and York accepted. York and his men marched back to their unit's command post with more than 130 prisoners. He was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross, and ultimately he was awarded the Medal of Honor. And that honor made him a national hero and an international celebrity among the Allied nations. And Sergeant York did that feat this week in 1918. Alvin York 
would go on to live a nice life. He died at age 76 in 1964, died in Nashville, Tennessee. But he's got a really cool state museum, state park in Pall Mall, Tennessee, which is near the Kentucky line, but a great, great story and a great Southerner. Sergeant York, he he did this feat in World War One there, fighting in the closing weeks of that war, and he did that in 1918. It was in this week, 1975, that Beaumont, Texas-born Frank Robinson became the first black to be a Major League Baseball skipper as he was hired as manager of the Cleveland Indians and served in that role for a few years. Frank Robinson would go on to be the skipper of the San Francisco Giants. He also skippered the Baltimore Orioles, a team he played for back in the late 60s and early 70s, and ultimately served as the manager of the Expos slash Washington Nationals, ended up coming with the team south of the border when they relocated to the nation's capital. And if you go back in history, he was a player, played for a number of years when he got started with the Cincinnati Reds, then with the Orioles, Dodgers, Angels, and closed up his career with the Indians. I assume if he was an Indians player, he was a player manager. I assume that's what he did because he was both a player and a manager during that season of 1975. Don't have that happen too much, but ended up only becoming a manager at one point in his career and a historic figure. And it was this week in 1975, the Cleveland Indians chose him as a manager. And again, the first black man to ever be a major league baseball manager. Also this week, this week in 1973, Spiro Agnew resigned as vice president of the United States, the former Maryland governor who had served in that position before becoming President Nixon's choice for vice president and served with Nixon in that first term, but did not complete the term as he had to resign. And Hubert, uh, rather Gerald Ford, was chosen to take over the position of vice president upon Agnew's resignation. The Baltimore native had to resign because of allegations that he had done things uh, while both governor of Maryland in the closing months and years, plus he had kind of done the same thing while he was a vice president of the United States. And that's why on this date in 1973, Agnew resigned after the charges of income tax evasion on illegal payments that he allegedly received while governor and vice president. He was ultimately given a $10,000 fine and sentenced to three years probation. And again, within a few months of his vice president resignation, Richard M. Nixon, the president, would resign himself as the leader of the United States. And it was this week again, Agnew resigned in 1973. Agnew would go on to live until 1996, dying at age 77 in his native Maryland. That's a quick look at some some Southern history to wrap up hour number one of our conversation about what all goes on in the South. We've got a whole nother hour of fun coming up. Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller, he's coming by. We've got more headlines, all that, plus a little food talk too. All that on y'all, y'all.
website is yall.com. That spells out y'all.com. And y'all.com powers this, The Y'all Show, with your host, John Rawl. It is a Monday. It is hour two of this Monday edition of The Y'all Show. We've got our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. He's dropping by. Going to have a very fun conversation with this guy, as we always do and that's headed your way in just a few minutes here. We're going to start this hour with a little headlines. We're going to close this hour after Jerry leaves us talking a little Southern food all right here on the show that accentuates everything in the Southeast. If you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, pretty easy. Drop us an email, mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at y'all dot com. If you would rather text us, we welcome those as well. You can text us anytime at 803-816-1170. Right here at Y'all, we not only provide you a great website with great Southern information, we have our podcast available of this show, of which you can find at y'all.com. It's also available on other great podcast options like Spotify, Stitcher, and we're also at the iHeart app. Just all you got to do, search for Y'all Show, and we're right there. Beginning this hour of y'all, let's dive back into some of the news headlines as we started out hour number one today. We had so much tragedy that I don't want to repeat some of it, but I will give you a tease if you want to uh, speak into the podcast, if you're listening to us in podcast form, you can rewind back to hour one and get more info on the following gruesome stories from the weekend. First off, a sad story. A Memphis police officer killed while working a traffic accident. And this veteran of a few years, the 34-year-old Memphis police officer, Daryl Adams, killed while investigating a two-car crash. And that happened on Saturday. A tractor-trailer truck struck him on Interstate 40 there in Memphis, Tennessee, and he lost his life. We remember Memphis police officer Daryl Adams. Also, a story out of Polk County, Florida, An electrical worker who was fired Friday goes back in early on Saturday morning and kills at least three of his co-workers that all shared a house in Polk County, Florida. These electrical workers were working in Polk County and around that area for Publix. They'd come down from Pennsylvania, and this guy got fired. He goes in and kills, I think, the boss on the scene and other workers. A real horrible story from the weekend. And he killed him with a knife and a baseball bat. Goes in there while they were asleep and kills him on Saturday. Another tragedy, this out of Athens, Georgia. The son of the Zaxby's co-founder, a guy who would go on and be a NASCAR driver himself, John West Townley, at 31 years old, was killed in Athens, Georgia. He and a 30-year-old woman were both shot And Townley dies in this portion of Athens right next to the University of Georgia campus. Townley raced eight seasons and made 186 starts across the NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series. He also got a victory in the Truck Series at Las Vegas six years ago. That was the only win of his career. He drove a car owned by his father, who was a co-founder of the vehicle's primary sponsor, and that would be Athens-based Zaxby's. This former driver, again, killed, and they know who did it. This, I think, was someone 
maybe it sounds like a jealous person, it sounds like, based on what I read, because it wasn't just Townley shot, a woman 30 years old also shot, and the police say they've spoken to the shooter who knew the victims. So that's what's being released. But John West Townley killed over the weekend. Two people were found dead in a newspaper office in Newton, North Carolina, found inside the offices of the Observer News Enterprise that's on North College Avenue in this town, roughly 45 minutes south of Raleigh-Durham. This story developing out of North Carolina. Three valet workers killed while working in Houston, Texas. Some moron who was evading police was in a high-speed chase, ends up swerving and going into these people who were working and got three valet workers killed on Friday evening. Sad story from that city. Another bizarre story from the city of Houston. A former student, a 25-year-old former student, goes back onto the school that he was a student of, the YES Prep Southwest Secondary, and shoots the principal. Eric Espinosa shot on Friday, and this 25-year-old man in custody now, we understand the principal should be okay, and our thoughts are with this school, but yeah, this guy goes back on campus and does that. What a horrible story from Houston, Texas. Now to other stories not so tragic. Have you heard about this one? Because I had not, and let me tell you about it. I had not heard who was charged. I do think I remember hearing about these threats in mailboxes, and I'm going to tell you the update on this story coming to us from an Atlanta suburb. A woman is accused of posing as a white KKK member and sending racially charged notes to the homes of families in an Atlanta suburb. The story, what that makes this somewhat newsworthy, is the woman who posed as a white Ku Klux Klan member is actually 30-year-old Teresha Lucas, and Mrs. Lucas is black. And she's been arrested and charged with eight counts of terroristic threats and acts. She made her first court appearance at the end of last week and was denied bond in Douglas County. The Douglasville Police Department could not be reached for comment on this story. But yes, according to reports on Atlanta area station WGCL, families in Douglasville said they had received handwritten notes from a man claiming he was from the KKK and threatening to kill their families. One father told the Atlanta station, the letter is using the N-word talking about the KKK, hanging people, killing kids, killing whole families, and setting houses on fire. Families started receiving the letters as early as last December. The notes threatened to burn their houses down and kill them and said they didn't belong in the neighborhood. After a months-long investigation, detectives connected the evidence to Mrs. Lucas. Again, she remains in custody at the Douglas County, Georgia Jail. Douglasville is about 20 miles west of Atlanta, right on Interstate 20. Same area as Six Flags, if you've ever been to that portion of Georgia. In fact, I have spent the night in Douglasville because I went to Six Flags. I think I spent the night there. I remember going there. I was a, a real young lad at the time. But that's a story out of Georgia that you might not have heard of. All right, how about this story involving West Virginia U.S. Senator Joe Manchin? Over the weekend, he was out on his houseboat having a good time, 
and all of a sudden he was confronted by kayakers and he didn't like that. Confronted by kayakers from his home state over his lack of support for the $3.5 trillion Democrats spending bill. Are you telling me there's people in West Virginia in support of the $3.5 trillion bill? Hmm. I guess so. Senator, this is an investment, one kayaker yelled at the West Virginia Democratic Senator who lives on the houseboat when he's in Washington, D.C. Okay, maybe this didn't happen in West Virginia. So he, get the, I didn't know this. Joe Manchin, who I've traveled to Charleston, West Virginia, and had a meeting with him in his office. Nice guy, former West Virginia Mountaineer quarterback. Former governor, that's why I was there in Charleston meeting with him one time. So he lives in a houseboat when he's in Washington. That actually sounds kind of cool. So a kayaker yells out, this is an investment. This is not giving out money. This is not spending. This is building the state that we both love. Now, Joe Manchin has continued to oppose the size of the proposed $3.5 trillion spending bill of which his party is out trying to get past, including having President Biden go to the White or go to the Congress at the end of last week. Joe Manchin says he'd like to see that package be reduced two trillion dollars down to one point five. I didn't think he would be harassed at a houseboat in West Virginia. I mean, there's obviously Democrats, there's obviously liberals in West Virginia, but I don't think they'd be out on a kayak. And I don't think they'd be yelling at Joe Manchin right there in West Virginia. But I could be wrong. Yeah, these kayakers, and they videoed it. I didn't realize this. They have video of these people. I assume they know Joe Manchin lives on that houseboat right there, I guess, on the Potomac River. I got to go by there and honk the horn at, at Joe and say, hey, you know, thanks. I hadn't seen you in a while. Joe, how's it going? One time he did something important when I was meeting with him. He broke down the NFL loyalty of his state. And he said that's how he kind of describes the various regions of West Virginia. It's all based on who their favorite NFL team is. It could be a, maybe more Bengals. It could be more Steelers. It could be more, at that time, Redskins. And I think he even hinted that there's certain portions of the Mountain State that are fans of the Carolina Panthers. Because it's not all that far from, let's say, I think it's Bluefield. Uh, there's several places that are only two hours or so from Charlotte. I, th- I think I'm right on that. Right up Interstate 77. So that's a look at some of the news headlines. We're going to have more. We're going to actually pick it up in hour three with more news headlines from across the region. And speaking of D.C., we're going to take you back to D.C., not to talk about Joe Manchin's houseboat, but Anthony Fauci is back in the news And he's got something to say about whether we can get together with our loved ones like we used to this year at Christmas. Oh, Dr. Fauci, don't ruin it for us, sir. We're going to have all that information coming up. But you know what? Right after this break, we're going to come right back with Jerry Short. He is the Takapola storyteller. And there ain't no telling what he's going to have to say to all of us. And he's going to do it right after this on Talk with a Southern Accent.
It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the Y'all Show. We continue on as we get a new week of Y'all's up and going. Our Takapola storyteller is back with us. His name is Jerry Short. And Jerry, if you haven't heard him before, you better pay close attention because there ain't no telling what Jerry's going to be talking about. But I assume that if you take the time to listen, you're going to really, really enjoy listening to our Takapola storyteller because he really does cover the South in his own unique way, in a very unique way. We are talk with an accent on all things Southern, and Jerry Short is just one of our great features that we have here on the Y'all Show each week. And this guy, again, puts the South in his mouth each and every time that he gets a chance to join us here. And Jerry, we're going to go to you right now and find out how you're doing. Well, I'm uh, how you doing, I guess, uh, I'm still a Southerner, and I'm still proud of it. And uh, how's the peanut gang? Peanut gang. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing good. Hey, Jerry, I don't know you. You and I, we've had some disagreements here in years late about some of the yeah. about some of the sports stuff. Oh, and, that's true. So you may not have realized this, but my yeah. kind of topic I want to throw out here to start our conversation today with is what happened on Sunday. The prodigal son returned, but not really. Tom Brady made his appearance there in Foxborough Sunday night when the New England Patriots played his Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Tom Brady won multiple Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. Then he leaves last year to go to Tampa, goes and wins a Super Bowl for the Buccaneers. And on Sunday, it was the first time he had to face off against his old team. I don't really need you to talk to me about the sports part of this. But, Jerry, here I want to talk to you about you returning. Because I've got my own story about returning. And I don't think it's that great. And I know you can probably outdo me on something, that, you, that. something that you've maybe gone back and, and done after many, many years of not doing it. And the the experience, the feeling, 
the reaction you got when you made your heroic return? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess just pulling something out of the air. Because I've got well, mine, I'll share mine, and this will probably no, trick, trigger something. I, but but go ahead, you're a smart no, guy. I'm you can gonna, you can I, spit them I, out. I, I can come out with some. And uh, you know, for years I was I saw my first uh, college game, 1951, Ole Miss Maryland, biggest upset in America that year. Uncle carried me. I was six years old, and uh, got hooked on the mess. And so in the stadium at Ole Miss, I sold coats and stuff for. Oh, way on up till um, I was in high school. Then I would go ahead and get in there and uh, go sit on the bench with Coach Falk. I think they must have thought he was my adopted. I was his adopted son. But I'd be down there when they were ranked uh, one, two, or three in the nation sitting on the dang bench. So I was really hooked. And then I never missed a game. Man, I saw every doggone game. But uh, then I got involved with – building a, an academy, helped build an academy in about 1970, a little bit earlier than that. And it took up, it was taking up so much of my time. And then I was working so much. I quit going to college football games. I quit even listening to them. I just got really carried away with, and then I become a statistician for this high school football team. And uh, the newspaper in a 20,000 populated town, which was a week, it was a daily paper. And uh, he come, he would be on the sideline, and I said something about, I don't, I don't think you cover no mess and all. He said, well, I'm just a sports editor, and I can't cover everything. So we had a lapse period in there probably from 70 to 89. And I said uh, – Of you like not going to those not going to football games, college football games. Wouldn't even listen to them. And uh, – Pro, too. I think I went to one Archie with the Saints, and they booed him so bad, I carried nephews and stuff in South Louisiana. And uh, I said, Wait, man, I'm not... New Orleans I'm Saints fans booed Archie Manning, their own quarterback? They booed Archie so bad that game. And he did have a bad game, but he didn't have a lot of help. And I carried my son and my uh, and my nephews, and, and they were from over at Thibodeau, which was right there next to New Orleans. And we were in there, and the only time they would cheer for Archie Manning, there was a receiver, Danny Abramovich, who played with him. And uh, they had a they had an Oldsmobile car dealership together. They advertised in the Superdome. Superdome had just opened. And on the Jumbotron, they would show the commercial for Archie throwing a pass to Danny. And the fans would start booing and saying that's the only way the SOB can catch a pass. That's the only way he can do this. You know, and it was unbelievable. And they booed him so bad they were playing Los Angeles Rams. And I believe he threw four interceptions in that game, but he had his bad a line. It was like I was playing in the line. But uh That's bad. That's bad. So we went on I carried them on home after the game and I was I'd turned around and talked a little ugly to a few uh, New Orleans Saints fans. And, you know, Mississippi was a big New Orleans base, too. And, and you know, because of Archie especially. Yeah. But uh, we got over to Thibodeau, and 
this old aunt was over there. If they'll get rid of that sorry Archie Manning, we might win a ball game. We are blah, blah, blah. He can't throw nothing. What's he doing playing? Of course, she'd never been married. She's an old maid. Aunt. <laughs> was really a little off center. It seemed like when you talk to her, she'd have, we'd have a Christmas gathering or something. But anyway, I just said, I'm shutting it down. So I've worked, and like I said, I was a statistician. And um, the old Miss coach was there recruiting one of our guys one night. And one of the fans knew I didn't go back up there because I was so busy all the time. And I knew everybody, and I knew Coach Brewer. But Billy turned around and uh, on the sideline, and he was looking at a guy he was recruiting. And uh, somebody hollered at me, one of our fans from that high school, said, uh, hey, you going up to the Ole Miss game this weekend? And that would have been 88 or 89. And I, I said, uh, are you kidding me? I wouldn't go up there. I ain't got time. I'm not, I care less about this stuff now. And, man, I, I mean, people thought I was absolutely a ridiculous fool. I was so crazy about it, you know, about all of it. You know, I didn't miss I can tell you kept my grades down in high school because I'd read the newspaper and all I'd worry about in 1959 was how many yards the fullback Charlie Flowers might have got against LSU or so-and-so, you know? So um, anyway, Billy, uh, they hollered that, and Billy looked at me. Thank this would be the that then head coach at then the University of Mississippi, Friday, Billy Brewer, yeah, Billy Dog Brewer. Friday night before – they were playing like Arkansas State, so it wasn't like a really big game. But they actually only won the thing because I wouldn't work in Cruise Timber that next day and uh, turned it on the radio when I got back from Cruise, and I think they only won 21 to 20 or something like that. So um, the next ball game I saw next Friday night, the sports editor came by for that paper, and he, uh, I said that to him. He said, look, I, you said something about me not covering enough. He said, I've got you credentials at the ball game this weekend. I said, what ball game? He said, at the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. And uh, I said, well, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, oh, can you go up there and just shoot pictures? And can you write a little column or something? And I said, well, I can do as good as you've been <laughs> So uh, I got, I went. And I went again. And I did that for 25 years. And I'd come back uh, of from going America. to games. You after going. a twenty year break, you started back uh, on the road and everywhere. I only missed one game. That was the Ohio game, and I was on my way to California. And I leaving town. It was coming on the radio. And that was nineteen ninety one, a thirty eight fourteen Rebels victory. Oh, Ohio University of Ohio Owls, I believe they were. But uh, of course, you know, then I went on. What year did you say that was? I think it was 1991, the fourth game of the okay. year. That was coming off a loss to Auburn. Now, I'm going to quiz yeah. you. What was that score? Well, see, I wasn't going then. This I, is I 91. You were going. Well, I wasn't really into it. I would go and I'd shoot pictures, and then I'd go write a, uh, I would write a game uh, play-by-play type thing. for, to, for the, We didn't have a newspaper on Sunday. So you would, you know, you wouldn't get everything wouldn't be firsthand. Later, I started writing a column for the thing, but uh, I really didn't even. I just look at somebody's number, and uh, then when I'd write this uh, thing, I'd say, you know, left half back, uh, 
Goose McAllister or somebody might have had X amount of yards, blah, blah, blah. And so and so Patridge might have thrown for this. I think Tommy Luke was quarterback in 91, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, I, I would just write something simple like that. And then I started doing a column and I started digging back into history and I kind of did a historical deal and it just kept on going. And I went on for 21 years and then I went out 25 years and then I went and audited BP oil spill. And then so I, I missed that year because it was a seven day a week job on the coast after the Gus oil spill, after the, um, uh, down at Biloxi and down through there. So I didn't go. I came back to the Auburn game that um, who was playing, um, it, and I hadn't been back since then. But I, I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. But uh, I, uh, uh, what was the guy that played for Auburn, the quarterback? That's who Ole Miss was playing. He went on to play pro ball, maybe for the Panthers. Cam Newton. That's right. He was quarterback in Auburn. Twenty ten national yeah. championship season. That's right, and we they were playing Ole Miss in Oxford, and they were honoring uh, the nineteen fifty nine Ole Miss team that Billy Cannon beat the sixty team that Ole Miss uh, come back and got the Grantland Rice National Trophy from, and went undefeated the year after the Cannon run, and and I knew all those guys and I knew the coaches and Coach Vault was still there, so I went to cover it when I got back from down on the coast hmm. at night, and so I went uh, and covered it. I went by to see Coach Brewer's wife. She had cancer and was passing. And I went by and she gave me some items that had been collected from them that I really still got on the mantle. I appreciate it. And then I went down on the field and a couple of coaches you know, from the days of when Ole Miss was good in the 50s and 60s. They, they come up to me and we talked. And then I talked to Coach Vault. And then I walked no, out. No, Vault wasn't there in 2010. Uh, when when? No, not coaching. He was there being honored. He was being honored. That team. Well, Vault died in 2005. Well, I, yeah, I did cover two things. He was in one that they honored him. They honored that team twice. Okay. And so I I guess he wasn't there for the Cam Newton one. But I was talking to Wobble Davidson, who was assistant coach that everybody knows about. If anybody wants to check Wobble, Wobble and I were good friends. Billy was down there. But I went up and talked to Billy, and then, you know, he was in that. He played on that 59 team. Mm-hmm. I guess we were honoring the 59 team that year, and the, and the other time when we honored the 60 team was when Coach Vault was there. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I went to 300 dog on college football. Camp. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about, Jerry. This is all about reunions and stuff. So, what was it like to be back there? at a place like Vault Hemingway Stadium after not being there for 20 years, a place you had spent almost every Saturday of your childhood during football season, right. and then you did not go back, and then then you start showing up. Did you see familiar faces? You know, the old coaches and stuff like that I did, and, of course, fans, yeah, because I had a lot of fans, and a lot of Highway Patrol people were friends of mine, and they would beg me to come up there on Saturdays because they would be on the field you know, all through that period. And uh, I said, man, I just don't have time. I was I was buying land and timber for international paper, but I would work on weekends for myself a lot. And people would want me to cruise their timber and their land and appraise it for them. And I'd take Saturdays and Sundays a lot to do that. I know I was out doing that when a tornado hit my grandmother's house and blew it away in, in 84. And uh, 
because the weekend I was out doing that, you know, on the weekend. So, you know, I, I kind of just, uh, on a, on a weekend, I, I, I would do something else, but anyway, coach, uh, you know, those coaches and coming back and seeing those people like that. And a lot of the old fans. And of course, by that time, my daughter was, a, uh, a KD at Ole Miss and my son had already got out and they would bring in the grandkids. They'd bring them down to the field. And I got to know the players and I got to know Tubbleville good and coach Tubble, Tommy Tubbleville. Oh, you mean Senator, Senator, Senator. Yeah. He actually called me out on the field and asked me what I, he said, why does these people not like me after he left one talk? He called me big and then I was standing on his sideline. They were warming up before the, into the early warm up where you go back to the inside of the dressing room and he was propped against a goal post and everybody was booing the heck out of him because he had left Ole Miss. That was his first return trip back to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he said, well, you protect me if these people, why won't they turn loose? And I said, well, Tommy, you said, uh, <laughs> he said, you said when you left here, you were going to leave in a pine box. And, uh, you left that that next year, that same year, really, I think, when he took it from Hausler, who was the AD at uh, Auburn. Then they met in Atlanta while we were playing Georgia. And I was at that game at Georgia. And he acted a little bit weird with me that time when we were pretty good, pretty close, pretty good friends. But anyway, he said, I said, yeah, I'll, I will. He said, well, I'm going to put you on the bench with me. And I said, he said, you can get inside the coaching box. And I said, no. But I said, I'll stand back behind him, walk around it, but I'm not going to take a whiskey bottle for you. <laughs> but, but I will if any old Miss person comes after you. But after the, what was kind of funny, I went on down to the far end zone when the team come out of the tunnel and I took the old Miss team. And I usually would go, you know, take photos and all that too. And I was down there and the photo people down there, they said, why don't you get your cell phone back down there with your coat, your friend, Tommy Doubleville? You don't belong down here now. And then, at the end of the doggone game, I looked down there, and my son, who I always brought my grandson, who was probably about five years old then, you know, and I let him come out on the field before I'd go to the press conference and take a picture or something, and then set him back over the fence. And he was coming around the portal up there, and I said up to my son, I said, Scott, you coming down? He said, no. Why don't you go on and get with your buddy, Tommy Tuberville? <laughs> I didn't realize there were 60,000 people had all had their eyes on me and Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Jared, <laughs> Jared, I wanted to, before we take a break here, I wanted to share my own pathetic reunion saga because I think this will probably, because I, I, I know you have your own unique thing in this same kind of uh, 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 arena, if yeah. you will. And that's, I have never really gone back to my high school. Oh, really? For a reunion or anything? No, I've had high school reunions, and I've gone back to those. Oh, just to visit. But yeah. I'm just talking about to the building. I've never really gone through those halls of oh, my okay. high school, and I've always wondered, you know, well, what I've what color halls. Okay, I got you. And my high school still exists, the, the building and everything. Okay. So have you gone back to your high school? I know yours, I don't think. No, it does exist. No, I, mine actually, the first year I went to it, it was brand new. I was a junior in high school. And uh, I have not, but I have gone to most of every one of my teachers and the superintendent who happened to live in Huntsville, Alabama. 
and I apologize to them for my heathen ways that they had to deal with. But I went back to every one of them and, my, and, and told them that, you know, I know they had a hard time with some of the stuff I did. So I did make that round back. I sure did. And it was, it was you know, it was gratifying. And it was uh, it was worth doing and worth seeing. I had a couple that had died that I saw. But when they were dying, I went by to see a teacher, too. Hmm. That was, you know, you know, before this ever happened, I went back and talked to these other so people. So I'm, I'm over here speaking of dying. I'm dying to know. Uh, <laughs> did they know who you were? Oh, did they know who I was? <laughs> Did they know? <laughs> when we went to the one in Huntsville, I had built a tower on my land on the lake, and it was uh, it was a hundred feet to the dang crow's nest, but it was five stories high and it was a round tower. Well, I had the blueprints on it, and this this guy got a scholarship to Mississippi State, and uh, he become a doctor, and he was a doctor in Birmingham, and so me and him got together over there, and we went to see this. Uh, superintendent and he wanted to show him i had showed him the plans and all of that tower i had designed and built and he looked at i said i don't i went out of my pickup and brought it in and let him look at it and the pictures and how from ground one up so it was finished it was a, uh, i had a photo album of it and he said uh, he told his wife he said uh Mary, will you go back there and see if I've still got that paddle I had when I was superintendent over this young man? And she said, why? And he said, obviously, he didn't apply himself worth a darn. He couldn't even pass geometry. How did he make a round tower <laughs> and design it, you know? So, uh, yeah, I got, you got, I got gratified uh, by that. And uh, Did he uh, spank you again for old time's sake? I believe he would have, but uh, <laughs> he scared me to death. He he drove, and I sat in the front, and this friend of mine had played foot, college football. He he sat in the back seat, and I know why. After we went up on top of that mountain, that you, I think you're familiar with Huntsville. Montesano his, Mountain? Yeah. His brother was a contractor over there. That's right, and he moved over there, the superintendent. And he lived up on top of the mountain. And it had a gate that opened uh, automatically as you go up. Like a lift, you know, like you're going in a in a army camp or something. And uh, well, he was driving 100 miles an hour. I was, my hands were bleeding. I was holding on to the car so hard. <laughs> and he, but he, I think he got even with me that way. But but we flew up to his brother's house and flew back down the hill. But uh, <laughs> mount, pretty good mountain. Yeah, Montesano, right there, right right behind the backdrop of. Huntsville, Alabama. We're talking with Jerry Short. He is the Takapola storyteller, and it's always fun to catch up with him when we join him on Mondays of this, the show that covers all things Southern. Well, guess what, friends? We're not done talking to our Takapola storyteller. We've got one last segment with him that we'll jump into right after this. Ain't no telling what we got coming your way. That's up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. Go get me that paddle, Jerry. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it, 
or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. We don't like to go out shopping. We don't care what's on sale. We just want to sit with a bag full of chips watching the NFL. When you come over at halftime, Say, does this dress fit too tight? We just look you in the eye with a big fat line Say, uh-uh, looks just right Well, that's the truth about men Yeah, that's the truth about us We like to hunt and golf on our days off Scratch and spit and cuss Come dragging in We ain't wrong We ain't sorry And it's probably gonna happen again Oh man, I hate to tell you ladies out there There's a whole lot of truth to that song Right there, made famous by Tracy Bird There's a lot of truth when our Sacapola storyteller Jerry Short joins us right here on the Y'all Show Each and every week As he has things in store for you that you're not going to find anywhere else out there and we're going to wrap up here our conversation in this segment here of this second hour from our Takapola storyteller Jerry we know that you are you're a man you were born a man is that right uh my daddy thought so okay you know you, <laughs> you got to you know we that song I was just playing there was called the truth about men and, uh, um, you know, I just, you know, if you, if you're no longer a man, just let me know. Cause we, we will identify uh, you with whatever you want us to call you. Yeah. I don't know where you're going with this, but it might be playboy magazine. No, I was just talking about okay. how everybody's got these gender pronouns now. Well, that was playboy. I was thinking about cause they've changed their cover this time I heard on the news today. I didn't even know there was a playboy magazine. Uh, yeah, they said it was, and it's just. They've dressed up a uh, someone who has changed their identity is on the covers, dressed like a female. They've had they've had three or four men before that were dressed like men, and I I don't think that was uh, uh, the coach of the of, of the Chicago Bears when he dressed up in a. Uh, oh, Ditka! You remember Mike Ditka? I do. When he when he dressed up in his uh, bridal outfit for the cover of a magazine, wasn't it? And he had um see running back from Texas, I believe. And uh, you remember that? Uh oh, you talking about Ricky Williams. Yeah. You remember when they had that they were on the cover of probably Sports Illustrated. And uh Mike Ditka dressed up like a bride because he had he had signed him, I think. Yeah. I think uh was it, I guess he was he in Chicago then? Did he coach somewhere else? My hey, he coached your favorite New Orleans Saints. That's where this all happened. Oh, mercy. You know, I'd quit <laughs> during that period, I guess. But anyway, 
where we stand right now is and let me let me fill people in because you're not just making this stuff you know our takapola storyteller is all over the news headlines so again i didn't even know playboy magazine was still even in existence because unfortunately and i'm a i'm a victim of this Hugh Hefner, the guy, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just a victim in that I've been a magazine publisher myself. And oh, that's right. You know, I would probably venture to say 80% of magazines have crashed and burned over the last yeah. decade. Playboy, their October 2021 digital cover, I don't think they print it. what I'm going to say. They're probably just on uh, line. Their digital cover will feature Bretman Rock, a 23-year-old male social media influencer originally from the Philippines. Oh, my goodness. I'm familiar with the Philippines. You are. Are you familiar yeah. with Bertram Rock? Would, would Bertram be from Kaboo? I don't know. Rock is not the first male to appear solo on the Playboy cover, but it looks first like I, I'm, I'm looking at the picture here. And he's got on the Playboy bunny ears, but he's not necessarily trying to be a woman, although he's wearing women-like. I know. Uh, That's the story I heard on the news. He's wearing women's lingerie and heels. That's right. That's exactly how they said it. But he was the first one to dress semi-feminine, I guess. That's had a uh, sex change, maybe? No, I don't think he has. He's just different. He's just a little different. And, uh, I think my wife was telling me that they're Miss Universe in the Philippines and maybe the same person, uh, is a, uh, as I guess they call them transvestites this day and time. But, um, anyway, uh, is one. They're Miss Universe. And I think they've had a couple of Miss Universes win the thing from the Philippines. But this one was, was from Cebu, which is a providence just a little bit from Negro, so we're from Elu. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Now, I got a question for you. Did you find out about this through your Philippine connections, or did you hear no, about No, I actually heard it on the radio. I heard it on the news. Okay. And I just heard it uh, no more than two hours ago. I okay. Think. Well, see, we're breaking news here. I Yeah. I was not aware of where you were going with this, but... Uh, <laughs> Our Taco Bola storyteller, he's our, he's our news hound. Yeah. Shoot. So my question is, are you going to spend the money and get this digital cover with Bretman Rock on it? Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, you know, I have talked to Bruce Jenner before. I believe he's got a different name now. But that's before he changed, and he sounded like a, a decathlon winner to me, you know? And I thought he was a hero. But he was with Linda Thompson, and he didn't look that good as a. The only one I would look at if Elvis was back in dress like <laughs> But no, I doubt I'll look at that. If okay. you want. Hey, Tracy. it's a free country, and we don't have to look at uh, Mr. Rock there if we don't want to, or or if you want to, go for it. Well, Jerry Short, we, we, we don't have quite the flexibility when we have you. We've got to listen to our Takapola storyteller when he stops by. Y'all talk with a southern accent. Hope your week goes good. Always good to catch up with you, my friend. Thank you, and I'm going to work at it, and I'll, decide, I'll let you know next week uh, if I saw that photo. Well, I've just seen it, and it's um, it could have been worse. I'll say that. It could have been worse. It's actually in black and white. Kind of unusual. Uh-huh. But, uh, so it, uh, 
somebody up in the Mickey Mouse Club, right? Nah, you could you could say that. You said they had Mickey Mouse ears, I think. Uh, the Playboy bunny ears. It's not. Oh, it's not in that fun of cell over anybody. No, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Okay. Jerry, okay. good to talk to you, yeah. sir. All right, he's good talking to you. All right. He is the Takapola storyteller, you all. And we will have more of the Y'all Show coming right up. In fact, we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to switch over from our Takapola storyteller time to talking about southern food. Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent, and that is coming up right here after this quick time out on the show that's Lord knows a whole about the South. learning a new language but it never seems to stick that's because there's more to language than learning vocab words Babbel is different Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language anytime right from your phone or computer practice real life conversations in the Babbel app como te llamas como te llamas Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. And Babbel is built around real life. Everything from the interactive lessons and live online classes to the podcasts and games will teach you things you'll actually use. So you're ready for real life conversations with Babbel. You can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore. More ways to learn. Start learning today at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Southern Accent. Here's what's cooking in the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Ozark Culinary Tours has been a unique food voyage that's visited the best grub in Northwest Arkansas, chefs, restaurants, and more. And they do it with five stops in about two and a half hours around the cities of Bentonville and Rogers. And it's all done on foot. Northwest Arkansas Alive on YouTube sat down with the Ozark Culinary Tours chef owner, Aaron Rowe. Wherever we go, usually the food's just magically waiting for us or within the first five minutes. So you got to time it out pretty good, pretty tight. I do, yeah. It's the logistics in me. But, you know, you don't have to worry about that because as a guest on my tour, you never have to even consider that. You just show up and I make it happen. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Now that sounds yummy. I'm not so sure personally about going out and seeing all these restaurants there in Northwest Arkansas and having to do it on foot. But I guess that'll burn the calories and that'll give you more to eat. Just a thought. That wraps up hour two. We've got a whole nother hour of the Southern fun coming your way. We've got a look at more sports, including college and NFL talk to get to starting with hour three. And then we'll also have more headlines from across the Southeast. All ahead on y'all. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table... 
Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. It's the final hour of this Monday Y'all Show. Our text lines are open if you want to reach out to us. 803-816-1170. Our website is yall.com. Thank you for being along for the ride. We've got lots of good stuff to close out this first show of the week here. We're going to have... A look across the South in the next segment. We've got more headlines from across the South that we'll be getting to. And we'll preview the entire week of the Y'all Show before we say goodbye later on in the hour. Our show is available in podcast form if you want to reach out to us that way. We are on the iHeart app, the TuneIn Radio app, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course at Apple Podcasts. Hope y'all are doing good. Let's dive into some of the sports goings on from the weekend and more. And one of the big stories over the weekend was we now know who's going to be marching off to Major League Baseball's postseason. As we've got our first wild card game, it's the American League wild card game, and it goes down Tuesday, and it goes down at Fenway as the Boston Red Sox will be hosting the Bronx Bombers. It's the Yankees and the Red Sox. This is going to be a big game televised on ESPN starting at 8 Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yanks. Nathan Avaldi is on the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Winner advances to the division series. Loser can hang up their cleats for the year. That's happening Tuesday in the wild card game. The two teams that will be facing off in the National League wild card game, the Cardinals who had one of the most amazing Septembers you could ever ask for with their, I think it ended up being around a 17-game win streak to close out the season. They did not capture the NL Central, but they did capture a wild card, and the Redbirds, for their great, great play there, get to go to L.A. and Dodger Stadium is where you'll find Adam Wainwright on the mound Wednesday. He goes up against Max Scherzer who the Dodgers brought in midway through the season from the Nats. And this is going to be televised TBS on Wednesday, starting at 8, 10 Eastern, 7 o'clock, 7, 10 rather, Central. And what would that be? 5, 10 Dodgers Stadium time and the wild card of the National League. Then if you move on from those wild card games, you get a spot in your division series. And we already know come Thursday – There will be an American League Division Series between the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros as this one gets going best-of-five series from Houston. The Tampa Bay Rays await that winner of Yankees-Red Sox. Rays will be hosting their Division Series Game 1 on Thursday. The National League Division Series begins on Friday. Braves will be at Milwaukee for one of the games. The other game features the San Francisco Giants playing the winner of the National League wildcard game. So you would see either the Cardinals or Dodgers moving on to play the San Francisco Giants. And that, again, 
the story from Major League Baseball's season winding down, your teams emerging that will be going on. I guess that's a total of 10 teams technically make it to the postseason. Two of those would be, rather four of those would be wild card teams. All right, let's look at the weekend that was the NFL. Some of the games from Sunday, you had the Washington football team roaring back in the fourth quarter, and they get the victory in Atlanta 12-7. Ron Rivera's team now 2-2. Two and two. The Dirty Birds, a 1-3. and three. The Dirty Birds' reward for losing is they get to go on a plane to London. They've got a game in London on Sunday morning. Then they have an open week there, the Atlanta Falcons, that is. But whooping in Orchard Park. Bills 40 Houston Texans, zero. We don't see scores like this hardly ever in the National Football League, but that's what we got Sunday. Bills improved to three and one. The Chicago Bears, Justin Fields behind center. He leads this team to a victory over the Detroit Lions. Lions dropped to 0-4. Bears improved to 2-2 and after the 24-14 win at Soldier Field. In Big D, it was a humongous third quarter for the Dallas Cowboys. They got three touchdowns on the board. And that was enough to hold off the Carolina Panthers trying to come back in the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott passing for four touchdown passes. Sam Darnold rushed for two touchdowns in that game. But the Dallas Cowboys get their third victory of the year. The Panthers have their first loss of the year, 36-28. Cowboys win. The Indianapolis Colts pick up their first win of the year. They went on to Miami and beat a struggling Miami team, a team without a really good quarterback choice, frankly. And Carson Wentz guides the Colts to victory 27-17. to The Cleveland Browns improved to 3-1. They won at Minnesota. Big win for that team. They're now 3-1. Vikings dropped to 1-3. What a great win for the New York football Giants. They went to the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans and walked out of there 27-21 victors. Saquon Barkley with a big touchdown in overtime to give them the walk-off win, 27-21. The New York Jets, man, what a game in New York. They had the Tennessee Titans in town. This game went to overtime. In overtime, the Jets got an early field goal. Titans had a chance to come down and tie it in the closing seconds and missed it. And with that miss, the the New York Jets get their first victory of the year, 1-3. Titans dropped 2-2. The Kansas City Chiefs look mighty good on the road. Andy Reid picked up a nice win, a historic win for him, and he wins back at his old employer, Chiefs 42, the Philadelphia Eagles 30. Arizona Cardinals put it on the L.A. Rams. We thought the Rams were the best team in the NFL after what they did to the Tampa Bay Bucks in week number three. How about this? Following week, the Desert Birds come over from Phoenix, and the Arizona Cardinals walk out of SoFi 37-20 to victors. Arizona is 4-0. Rams drop to 3-1. Seahawks surprise the Niners. They go down the coast and defeat San Fran 28-21 on Sunday. Baltimore Ravens, after Teddy Bridgewater went out with a concussion, they had a big thumping win, a game of which they had plenty of rushing yards, 23-7. to Ravens get the victory over the Broncos. And also Sunday among the games, the Green Bay Packers won by 10 over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 27-17. Steelers now drop to 1-3. Aaron Rodgers and the Pack improve to 3-1. 
Your Monday night football game from SoFi Stadium. First time the L.A. Chargers will be hosting at least a Monday night football game in front of a big crowd there at their new stadium. Chargers and the Raiders in an AFC West battle. This one ought to be good. Looking at the college football rankings as the AP poll released on Sunday, Alabama remains atop the poll at number one. Georgia picked up more first place votes. The Dogs now in two. They are they remain at two. They picked up nine votes total for first place compared to Alabama's 53. Iowa is at three. Penn State's four. Those two teams get together in Iowa this weekend. Cincinnati, after their big more than 10-point victory at South Bend over Notre Dame, the Bearcats move up to number five in the latest AP poll. Oklahoma remains in the same spot from last week. Sooners are at number six. Ohio State's at seven. Oregon dropped down to eight after they got beaten in overtime by Stanford over the weekend. Michigan won on the road. The Wolverines are at number nine. The BYU Cougars so far are 5-0 and and looking mighty good. Cougars at 10. Michigan State's looking good at 5-0. and The Sparties are at number 11 in the AP poll. The Sooners of Oklahoma State are also perfect thus far. They're at 12 after they took care of business in Stillwater against Baylor this past weekend. Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks dropped down to 13 after Georgia completely demolished the Hogs. But that is maybe to be expected when you go in between the hedges. Arkansas at 13 in the latest AP poll. The Irish dropped down to 14. They were at 9 the week prior. Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers move up one spot this week. They check in at number 15 in the latest AP poll. What a debut in the poll by the Kentucky Wildcats. UK is number 16 after they improved to 5-0, and and they beat Florida there at Kroger Field this past weekend. The Mississippi Landsharks went down to number one Alabama. They dropped five spots, and Lane Kiffin's team at 3-1 and now sits at number 17. Congrats to Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. What a great comeback win against LSU. The Tigers ranked number 18 in this week's poll. That means they moved up four spots from where they were the week prior. Dave Clawson's Wake Forest Demon Deacons find themselves in the top 20. They moved up five spots this week. They're number 19. And I think I am right on saying this. Let me double check. They are the highest ranked ACC team. At number 19, way to go, Wake Forest. Florida drops down 10 spots this week. The Gators are at 20 after they lost to Kentucky. They also have that loss on their schedule to Alabama. Dan Mullen's team, 3-2. and two. Texas moves up to number 21 in the poll after not being ranked. Arizona State's at 22. NC State is the only other ACC team in the latest AP poll. The Wolfpack at number 23. SMU comes in at number 24 in the new poll. And the Aztecs of San Diego State at 4-0 on the season. They are the nation's 25th ranked team, according to the Associated Press. So my summation of this latest poll, you got two teams in the ACC, none of which are named Clemson. Clemson, for the first time since 2014, finds themselves locked out of a poll. All you Clemson haters, you ought to be celebrating right now. Clemson's got a lot. They, they nearly they dropped out of the poll. They were 25 last week. If you didn't see their game against Boston College, that was one heck of a game. A game Boston College, I thought, was going to walk out of their winners. Clemson's, Clemson could not find a stop to that Boston College quarterback. BC looked really good in that game. The problem was 
Clemson has so many fans, roughly 80,000 there at Memorial Stadium, Death Valley, and they were making a difference there in the closing minutes, and those fans really affected the center-to-quarterback exchange, and that's what led a snap to go awry, and the quarterback for BC didn't handle it correctly there with about a minute left, and he fumbled the ball, and Clemson jumped on it, and Clemson jumped on the victory, and Clemson escaped, but they fell out of the pole this week. So if you're a Clemson fan, you're sitting here scratching your head. Well, what do you what do you got to do to to get back ranked when you when you actually win? I thought it's all about winning. Clemson, you won, but Clemson with two losses on the schedule right now, uh, and even though they got the 1913, BC would have won that game had they been able to get the ball across that goal line with a few seconds left. They were on maybe the 10 yard line when they fumbled that ball. They were on the Clemson 10 yard line, so just right there knocking on the door. And that center to QB exchange was all messed up, and therefore BC couldn't pull off the shocker. Clemson, I think, owns the longest home winning streak. About 30 straight games they've won there at Death Valley, the longest in college football, to their credit. But you thought that thing might be coming to an end. And I think the last game Clemson lost at home was going back to about 2015, 2016, when Pitt had that incredible field goal right at the buzzer, about a 50-yard field goal the Pitt Panthers had. I I think that was the last Clemson home loss. All my Clemson people let me know. And uh, if I'm I'm wrong on that one, I can't be too far off because not too many teams have gone into Clemson and won at anything in in recent years. We're going to have more stories from across the South that we will be passing along, more news stories, that is, as we continue on with this final hour. Let's take a break. When we come back, I got something on my chest I just got to get off. And I'll share that with you, something that I keep reading headlines about this. I experienced it for myself just last evening, and it really got me fired up. And I'll tell you about it right after this on the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBS-C. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals.
me bring you back. Get anything you think it be be like now. Easy rider, don't you know my name? Dee Well, gone old gal for you make me mad. I tell you something what I ain't gonna have now. Now how no low down hang around. Dee Thank you, sir. We're back on y'all. John Rawl thanking you for listening to us on great radio stations across the southeast. So Sunday evening, I was having a nice, quiet time, having a little meal in the car. I'm sure you've all done that at some point in your life. I do that pretty often, sadly. I'm sitting there enjoying my fast food in the car. When all of a sudden, vroom, I mean, it sounded like I was at Daytona. In the middle of town comes two motorcycles going at least 100 miles an hour. Like a bunch of fools. And it really made me nauseous. It made me very upset when I'm sitting there trying to have a good meal that idiots would be driving that fast in the middle of town just begging to either hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. And I bring this up to the, on the y'all show because I have read and seen in some of our headlines about similar issues going on. I think I just told you last week that I was in a town not long ago when I heard what sounded like, and, and I saw it with my own eyes, not motorcycles going a hundred miles an hour, but I saw cars racing in the middle of town Probably going about 50 miles an hour on streets designed to go 30. Nah, they were going faster than 50. They were probably going 60 on streets that had 35 mile per hour speed limits, or in some cases, maybe 25 miles per hour speed limits. And they stood out because they were all big cars going in a in tandem that fast. And, and, of course, they had to rev it up. And I just, I don't get it. Call me old-fashioned, but also call me someone trying to protect lives. I've lost friends who thought they were going to not get hurt if they got in a wreck, and they were on a motorcycle. And I hate that feeling. In fact, I'll just tell you something rather personal. Sunday evening, probably an hour before I had my little meal, sitting out there by the road having a nice fast food meal when these idiots on motorcycles came flying by an hour before that I got a random call from my late college roommate's parents my my college roommate got killed in a motorcycle crash in 2002 his mother called me just Sunday evening now I stay in touch with them I either communicate via email or we even call each other maybe once or twice a year. They live in Arizona. My, my my old buddy's buried in Arizona. He got killed in a motorcycle rush, crash in Texas in 2002. Great friend. Miss him. Their only child, by the way. Their only child. But she calls me, his mom, who's never recovered from her son, her only child, being killed in a motorcycle wreck. She's never... She, she admits it. It completely scarred her life. 
and it's tough to talk to her. Now, her husband, my friend's dad, he's okay. Uh, I mean, he's a tough guy, former Navy captain, submarine captain, I think. Um, not exactly the most talkative couple, but they call me Sunday from my friend's grave. And she'd never called anyone from that grave, she said. She just said, that's something I've been thinking about, and I just decided to call you. And I answered the phone when they called. I didn't let it go to voicemail. I said hello. I didn't know that they'd be calling me from my friend's gravesite, but I think it helped her out. I mean, I've been to that gravesite. When I attended my friend's funeral in 2002, it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had to go through. And in 2018, for the first time in 16 years, I actually drove to Arizona and I visited my friend's parents and we together went out to my friend's gravesite. And and so anyway, my point is, I don't want to see anybody else have to go through what my friend's parents have had to go through or lose your life as my friend had to. And my friend thought, with all his fancy equipment that he used to watch those racing deals where people race on motorcycles. He was, when I went to see him about six months before he got killed, he was showing me some new stuff that come in. I just kind of brushed it off like, yeah, right, whatever. Cause I don't want to, I don't have a desire to go out racing at all. Now I grew up with dirt bikes and I like going out on a nice trail in the woods and not necessarily trying to go 100 miles per hour, but going a good 20 miles per hour. So it's kind of fun. I mean, you could hit a tree, but you're probably not going to get killed. You're going to get embarrassed. I did that when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, you might lose a tooth, but you're probably not going to lose your life when you're going on country roads or on a on a on like a dirt bike. Now there are plenty there've been plenty of people sadly kids get killed in recent years in all these ATV crashes. That's that's a whole nother thing. And I hate those because I think a lot of times that's because of the weight of the ATV might have a role in their in the uh gruesome injury. Um but I just when I see people trying to be like evil Knievel out here on the highways, not on the country roads or the trails of the woods, but out here in public where officers of the law are on patrol and can easily hear them and should go out and arrest them. But these people are putting me at risk. They're putting you at risk because their stupidity of trying to be out here going 100 miles per hour on a busy street, all it takes is one person to make a wrong turn, and boom, they're going to come crashing right into your driver's side door. And that is just a terrible thing to even think about. But I guess I'm venting today because I saw it with my own eyes, and I saw it the week before with cars doing this. There's something going on on this whole TikTok deal. Someone told me the other day that if they're not out racing, they're out destructing things they're videoing themselves tearing up bathrooms and schools they're making donuts in the middle of streets and absolutely 
putting black marks all over the highways. That's another current trend going on. I mean, what the heck? I know people have been cooped up because of coronavirus for a year and a half, but that doesn't mean you have to turn into a freaking animal and completely lose your mind. And again, if you want to be stupid, I'm all for you having the right to be stupid. But what I don't want is your right to be stupid infringing on my right to live my life or you, the listener's life, without being hurt or injured or killed because of your stupidity. There I said it. I feel a lot better about it. But please, just slow it down out there. And for goodness sakes, law enforcement, if you're listening to me right now, would you please do something about it? Would you please put these hoodlums, if that's what they are, in jail? Teach them a lesson? This is not cool. This is not cool at all. If you want to go and act like a maniac, there's places, I guess legal places you could go, but it doesn't need to be in the middle of our southern streets and towns and cities that are going to be a lot more likely to cause grief and pain and the kind of pain my friend's parents have had to deal with now for nearly 20 years. Don't like it. Let's let's do what we should do in this area. When the Y'all Show returns after this break, we'll switch over from talking about that nonsense to giving you the headlines of the day. What else is going on across the South? We'll do that. Plus, before the hour is up, a look ahead at what's on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. All right, we're going to look at a few news headlines from across the last few days here on the Y'all Show. On Saturday, the NRA National Rifle Association said its board of directors had re-elected Wayne LaPierre as the CEO of the NRA. Now, this a controversial choice to keep him on board because of all the problems the NRA has been through in recent years. There's been all kinds of controversy and legal proceedings and more. 
The gun rights group tweeted that Charles Cotton was elected president. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Wills Lee was elected first vice president. David Coy, second vice president. The votes took place at a board meeting in Charlotte that followed the annual members meeting. LaPierre won the votes of the board despite multiple scandals at the nonprofit, including a suit brought last year by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. That suit alleges that LaPierre and other top executives diverted millions of the organization's funds and accepted inappropriate gifts to subsidize their lavish lifestyles. And again, LaPierre, for right now, still chairing the NRA without, I guess, the chance of him being kicked out. I really was surprised to see that headline come across. Also surprised to see this headline come across from the last few days. Uh, A guy named Anthony Fauci, have you all heard of him? Yes, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He has come out and said, as President Joe Biden's chief medical advisor, that while the full vaccination rate of the country has reached 55%, the key risk is the 70 million eligible people in the country who have not gotten a shot. And this infectious disease specialist Fauci on ABC's This Week Sunday said, we're certainly turning the corner on this particular surge. The way to keep it down, to make that turnaround continue to go down, is to do what we mentioned, get vaccinated. The story I thought coming out of this interview with ABC was the fact that Anthony Fauci, as the pandemic in this country has caused the deaths of over 700,000 Americans at this point, that he is hinting that we may not be out of this thing by Christmas. And he said, it's too soon to tell if people can gather for Christmas. That's what Fauci said on these shows over the weekend. Not what many of you wanted to hear. Also, let me tell you about Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson is stepping down as host of the 700 Club. That is a Virginia-based television network, the Christian Broadcasting Network, based there, and their, I would call it their signature show, The 700 Club. The 91-year-old Pat Robertson said that he hosted the network's flagship program for the last time on Friday and that his son Gordon Robertson would take over the weekday show starting today saying he would no longer host the 700 Club, said he would return from time to time if he's had a revelation he needs to share. Pat Robertson saying, I thank God for everyone that's been involved, and I want to thank all of you. Christian Broadcasting Network, Pat Robertson's creation, started broadcasting October 1st, 1961. Happy 60th birthday, Christian Broadcasting Network. He started that after he bought a bankrupt UHF station in Portsmouth, Virginia. The 700 Club began production in 1966. It's now based in Virginia Beach. CBN says its outreach extends to more than 100 countries and territories in dozens of languages through TV and video evangelism, evangelism rather, online ministry, and prayer centers. The 700 Club talk show can be seen in most of those countries and most of the U.S. TV markets carry the 700 Club. One of Robertson's innovation with the 700 Club was to use the secular talk show format 
which was a break from the more traditional broadcast of revival meetings or church services. Robertson, through his years hosting the 700 Club, had several presidents as guests, including Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, and more political figures. Pat Robertson was the son of a United States senator and received a law degree from Yale. I didn't know that. I remember this in 1988. He ran for president. He also founded the Christian Coalition. 700 Club host and CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network founder, Pat Robertson, hanging up his hosting duties on 700 Club. Here's a story out of South Florida. Sad news from all of you for, for all of you animal lovers to pass along today. The majestic and beautiful Florida panther, an endangered creature from that state. Three of these panthers killed by separate vehicle strikes over the last week. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says it now makes 18 panther deaths attributed to fatal collisions this year. 18 deaths of Florida Panthers caused by vehicle collisions. They've reported the FFWCC, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, they've reported 24 Florida Panther deaths this year. Wildlife officials say the remains of a four-month-old Florida Panther male were found Tuesday within Big Cypress National Preserve in Collier County. And a three-year-old Florida panther male was found dead the same day on the western edge of the same park. Also, last week, the remains of a 10-year-old female were found just north of Southwest Florida International Airport. That's in Lee County around Fort Myers. Florida panthers once roamed the entire southeast. Up to 230 Florida panthers remain in the wild. Beautiful, beautiful creatures if you ever see a photo they're great maybe you've seen one in a zoo if they have them in zoos or somewhere else where they're kept safe but there are again several hundred still around florida we wish them well i know it would put the you know what in me if i ever ran across one of these things all right i just mentioned lee county florida here is a story out of lee county florida Organizers have started a petition to change Lee County, Florida's namesake. This southwest Florida county named after Confederate General Robert E. Lee. And now a group of artists have started a petition. And they're trying to replace the county's name for being named after Robert E. Lee to Bruce Lee. And they want to rename this county Bruce Lee County. It's an effort to eradicate racism in both Florida and across the country, this local arts organization is saying, and it's calling for the rebrand instead of a complete name change to minimize the cost while still changing the narrative behind the county's namesake. Bruce Lee County. Lee County was originally named in 1887 at the behest of prominent Fort Myers citizens and Confederate Captain Francis Hendry. Hendry was a fan of Robert E. Lee who, over time, transformed into a pillar of the South. This article I'm reading says, despite being responsible for hundreds of thousands of American deaths during the Civil War, that's definitely not something definitive. I mean, just because you're somebody's general doesn't mean you're responsible for your soldiers' deaths. 
It's called War. The article does say Robert E. Lee's family owned hundreds of enslaved people. You know what? They did. And you know what? They gave them their freedom before the Civil War started, or right at the Civil War start. Somebody needs to look up history at this article and make it uh, make it all correct. But I don't know if they're going to change this in Lee County to Bruce Lee County. However, nothing surprises me in today's world. And this has been going on a long time. Did y'all realize that King County in Washington State, the county of which Seattle is located, was originally named after, what is his name? He had an unusual name. He was from Selma, Alabama, and he was a vice president of the United States in the pre-Civil War days. Let's see here. William Rufus Devane King is who I'm talking about. William R. King. Vice President under Franklin Pierce. William R. King was a native of North Carolina but ended up moving to Alabama. And he was Vice President when they settled Seattle. They named the county there after him, King County, Washington. Well, many years ago, I'm talking 30 years ago, I think, the good folks in Seattle and King County decided to rename their county away from this guy because he owned slaves. And he died well before the Civil War even started. He died in 1853. But they renamed this county after him 30 years ago. And they renamed it after Martin Luther King. So King County, Washington, which was named actually by the Oregon Territorial Legislature in 1852, (laughs) and ultimately it became Washington Territory and then part of Washington State in It wasn't even 30. It was in 1985 that they changed the name of the county away from William R. King to Martin Luther King. That's been a long time ago um, when that happened. And again, his crime was he was a slave owner. You know what else is kind of weird? This guy who was a vice president, if you've never heard the story, He supposedly was gay, and his supposed lover was James Buchanan, who would become president of the United States. So out in uh, leftist Washington, they renamed their county after a guy because he was a slave owner, but you could make a case they got rid of a gay man's county. This is a really interesting story. If you get a chance, look up more into the relationship that King had with James Buchanan. Uh, Yeah, there's something to it. In fact, Andrew Jackson called the pair, because they lived together, King and and James Buchanan. Andrew Jackson mockingly called the pair Mrs. Nancy and Aunt Fancy. Aunt Fancy was a 19th century euphemism for an effeminate man. And that's what Andrew Jackson called these two back in the mid 
19th century. Check it out when you get a chance. Fascinating stuff to tell you about. And it makes up the fabric of what the South is, the history, the good and the bad. Hey, I've never tried to hide. We got some stuff in this part of the world that's not so pretty. But we here at this show are not afraid to talk about it because it does make up who we are. We would not be where we are today if not for good and bad things that have happened in this part of the world. And here on the Y'all Show, we talk about it. We try to educate. And what we try to do is make you learn about it so you can say, I know about where I live, and we're not perfect here. But we're doing our best. And we're a really cool place. We, we, we are the trendsetters for this entire country, this little region we call Dixie. We're going to close up this Monday, y'all, right after this. Stay tuned. I've got a preview of what is ahead the rest of the week on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I think you'll like what's coming up, and I'll tell you all about it next. Have you tried learning a new language, but it never seems to stick? That's because there's more to language than learning vocab words. Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language, anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. And Babbel is built around real life. Everything from the interactive lessons and live online classes to the podcasts and games will teach you things you'll actually use. So you're ready for real life conversations with Babbel. You can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore, more ways to learn. Start learning today at Babbel.com. That's B A B B E L.com. Babbel.com. Raymond's in his Sunday best He's usually up to his chest In oil and grease There's the Martins walking in With that mean little freckle-faced kid Who broke a window last week Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off-key In the pew behind me That's what I love about Sunday Sing along as the choir sways Every verse of amazing grace And then we shake the Alright, we're into the final segment here of our Monday show. Got a lot of good stuff coming up the rest of the week. Let me give you a little preview of what's ahead on the show All About the South. On Tuesday, we'll be right back here, same time, same station, same podcast with more news from across the Southeast more sports news across the southeast we'll have an acc update as we told you earlier in the y'all show there are two teams in the atlantic coast conference currently ranked in the ap top 25 
those two teams are not Florida State, and it's not the Clemson Tigers. It's Wake Forest, the undefeated Demon Deacons, and another school right there on Tobacco Road, the NC State Wolfpack. And I'll tell you about more of those schools and what's going on with ACC football when we get together on our ACC report on Tuesday. Also, we've got the Southern Political Report coming in the first hour of our Tuesday show. Entertainment news from across the Southeast. We'll have a Southern Business Spotlight coming your way. An update at what's on y'all.com, the South's homepage. That plus Melissa Rhodes and a Southern accent on the arts and entertainment world all headed your way Tuesday. When we reconnect on Wednesday, we'll have hashtag Huddleblue. That's where social media comes to the Y'all Show. And we find some of the darndest things and share it with all y'all as part of hashtag Hullabaloo. That's coming your way Thursday. Plus, we've got Melissa's accent on Southern culture in the first hour Thursday. Matt Hermans is the barbecue barrister. and He's going to be on with us on Wednesday with a whole new scrumptious report. He will also weigh in on Big 12 football. This weekend, it's the Red River Shootout as you've got the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners at the old Cotton Bowl Stadium right there by the State Fair of Texas. And that's going on this weekend, a fantastic college football game. Matt Hermans will weigh in on maybe what could be the final time these two get together as members of the Big 12 in Dallas. Also, a Southern Book Report coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show. In the final hour, we will have more sports and news headlines, plus we'll go around the South in that final hour. On our Thursday Y'all Show, SEC news and goings-on from the Southeastern Conference, we've got another hashtag hullabaloo headed your way Thursday. A news from Nashville with country music headlines. We'll have information coming out of Los Angeles and our entertainment report there. A southern business accent coming your way on Thursday's Y'all Show. And in the final hour, we'll start looking ahead to this weekend's festivals and fun across the southeast. And we'll share many of those great locations on our Thursday Y'all Show. On the Friday Y'all Show, our first hour, it's the Y'all Kickoff Show. This is where we get you ready for Saturday's big games. We will take a kind of breakdown of all the games. We'll have coaches and player interviews that we'll share with you. And then General Gridiron will be on in hour number one. That's a humorous take on college football's Saturday lineup. All that is part of the Y'all Kickoff Show, hour one on Friday. The second hour includes the Friday Free for Y'all. That's the fun music feature we have each week. And then Craig Faulkner will be filing his latest fishing forecast in the second hour, plus a look at the brand new movies hitting theaters this weekend and more headlines and more festivals from across the Southeast, all featured on the Friday Y'all Show. That's what's ahead on this show about the South. We think you'll like every single portion of it, and we appreciate you taking time to listen to this show today. If you missed any of it, don't forget our podcasts are available on Spotify, Stitcher, also on the iHeart app and the TuneIn Radio app, plus at y'all.com. John Rawl signing off. We'll have a chance to get back together Tuesday. Can't wait. Until that time, y'all have a great rest of y'all's day. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it. 
or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.